Does it feel different to be living on this side of, I guess, 2018? You know, for a while we were like, hey, it's almost the end of the year. There's going to be a new year. And now that it is, do you feel any different? Does it feel like a new year or simply another one? When I was younger, I used to make a bigger deal out of New Year's. I used to actually stay up till midnight and watch the fireworks, actually go out and with friends or whoever it was and, you know, line up all day, take the picnic rug and, and get a good spot to watch the fireworks of whatever city I was in at the time. I used to um, wash the sheets so that I would have fresh, clean sheets for New Year's Day. Um, I used to journal and so every, um, you know, I would get a, a new journal that I would start for the fresh year, you know. But as um, the years have passed, I kind of just let the year blend from one to the other. It's been a long time since I made any New Year's resolutions. Um, in fact, I was kind of like, oh, it's tomorrow New Year's? And, you know, it's, it's just kind of been one of those years where it's kind of been like, oh, it's just another day. Except um, New Year's Eve, we had a lovely dinner, and then afterwards, we got home quite late, and Micah actually took a nap on the way home. And so he wasn't very sleepy at night. And so I thought, well, you know what? It is New Year's Eve, so maybe I'll let him stay up to watch the fireworks. And I was hoping that there would be something at like 9.30-ish. But um, we live in, you know, not that far from the city. So if you peek out of our, like, our bedrooms on the second floor, so if you peek out of the balcony, you can see the city. It's small, but it's there. <laughs> and so I was hoping that we'd be able to see the 9.30 fireworks from there, but we couldn't. And once in a while, there would be like something going off, kaboom. So I'm like, oh my God, it's the fireworks. And then we go out and like, it really wasn't. It was just like neighbors or someone, you know, illegally just blasting one or two. And that kept happening from about 10 o'clock till like 11.30, little ones going off for like a second, but we, you know, would, we would miss it. So by then, it was almost midnight, so I decided to just let Micah stay up. Roy wasn't very happy about that. Um, so Micah was in my room, and every time we heard something, we would open the balcony door and rush out and you know, try to catch them. And eventually, when it was midnight, we could see the ones um, in the city, you know, really far off, but we could see them. And there were a few, like I think in Preston area, that went off as well. And um, Micah loved them. Michael loved them. It was his first New Year's Eve where he stayed up and watched fireworks. And so, of course, he was like, can we watch it again, you know, the next day? And I told him, no, New Year's Eve only comes once a year, so you have to wait a whole new year. Um, and he was like, oh, I can't wait. And he was telling everybody about them for, like, the entire week. I'm sure if you ask him about it, he'll tell you all about it today. He was excited because it was his first time um, watching New Year's Eve fireworks. And, you know, I was watching him loving it so much and realized that I had lost, you know, I like fireworks too, um, but I had lost that wonder, that sense of wonder, that sense of joy at experiencing something new, experiencing something beautiful. Jesus said, if you had a chance to look at... Um, Matthew 18, Jesus said that to enter heaven, we must become like little children. And I wonder if a part of what he meant was that we must rediscover that childlike sense of wonder, right? That joy at experiencing something that you enjoy, the chance to experience something new, the anticipation of something exciting. How many days and weeks was Micah saying, is it Christmas yet? Right? Do you remember anticipating Christmas when you were little? When's the last time you looked forward to something, something new? 
When's the last time you experienced joy at doing something new? And then had the pleasure of telling other people about it and reliving it in your memories. I believe that God wants us to experience that joy and that excitement and that, and that wonder and that anticipation. He doesn't want us to live in monotonous cycles where days just kind of blur into months and blur into years. And the next thing we know, we're just kind of going through the motions of everything without experiencing those distinct days marked with joy, marked with excitement, marked with that um, awareness that something is happening that is actually a gift, that is actually a privilege and opportunity. So I want to to start off the new year by talking about the fact that God makes all things new. And he does this in a few ways, and I'm just going to touch on a, 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 just a few of them today. You know, there's so much we could say. But God makes all things new by giving us daily beginnings, daily beginnings. He makes all things new by giving us new hearts and new spirits. And God makes all things new by giving us a new heaven and a new earth. So what do I mean by daily beginnings. I'm coining that term for those opportunities that we have every day to start something new. You know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he created day and night so that we would have a chance to go to sleep, you know, and wake up and have a fresh start. And Shirley said, tomorrow is a new day with no mistakes in it yet. <laughs> and it's that idea that, that every day we have a brand new clean slate in order to start something, in order to redo something, in order to make the most of that day. You know, we often take life for granted when the alarm bell rings or when the kids wake up or whenever it is. We wake up, we roll out of bed, we groan and we're like, ugh, right? But if you think about it, life is such a precious gift. Health is such a precious gift. Time is such a precious gift. There are so many people around the world who, who would love to be able to wake up in the morning, who would love to be able to get up physically and, and go about the day, who would love to have a job to go to, or who would love to have that 24 hours to do something with, right? There are some people around the world who are in war areas, who are in conflict, who are being abused, who don't have the kind of opportunities we have each day, the freedom we have each day to do whatever we want. And so those daily blessings that we take for granted are actually opportunities for us to make the most of that freedom, to take advantage of the challenges and the opportunities in front of us. Perhaps we need to put a note on our bathroom mirror as we brush our teeth, right? That just reminds us that every day is a gift. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, it says, but this I call to mind, and this is spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, who was going through a very difficult time in his life and in his people's history. The entire city is about to be destroyed by uh, Nebuchadnezzar, and the whole city is about to be just taken captive. And, and you know, the city is destroyed, and in his um, lament, which is why I call Lamentations, He's just talking about how sad he is and how horrible things are. But then he says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You see, God's faithfulness is evident not only when things are going well, God's faithfulness is evident in the fact that we, ha we are alive another day. The fact that we have this new day to start 
fresh. And so Jeremiah finds hope in the midst of the destruction and the chaos and says, you know what? God's mercies are new every morning. So he actually begins a new life with the remnant you know, who remains in Jerusalem. They go down to Egypt, actually, and start a new life together. Every day we have the opportunity to start something for the first time. A new book, a new friendship, a new hobby. A year and a half ago, Sam and Brahmin and I went to our first painting class. Um, it was one of those, you know, like paint for fun. You know, you see those things. Um, there was a voucher. And so we decided, hey, let, there's a Groupon. We said, let, let's go. And so we kind of messaged out to see, you know, who was free. And um, three of us were able to go and we each painted our own version of our families. <laughs> um, and so it was a lot of fun. It was my first time doing it. I really enjoyed it. And I haven't painted since I was like, 10, you know, in art class in school. And so um, because I enjoyed it so much, and the, at the end of that class, they had a promotion, you know, you get four classes for $100, which is a lot cheaper than getting them individually. And so I thought, well, why not? So I bought that, um, but didn't have time to go for a while because I don't know if you can tell, but I was like, this was one week before Joshua was born. So um, after Joshua was born, I was very busy, didn't have time. Um, so it took me a while, but eventually, um, a, about a year later, um, Janelle finally came back to Melbourne and Janelle and I were able to go together. And so we painted, I think it was like, like a rainy day. There's a little girl and like, anyway, I don't have a picture of that. So that was a lot of fun. And so I was like, well, you know, what? we, we uh, had given the other two vouchers to my mom and sister to use um, when they came. So I was like, oh, I'm out of vouchers. And I thought, well, it's, it's a lot to take off. It's like three and a half hours to go to the class and, and do it. And I don't have that kind of chunk of time. But I really enjoyed it, so I thought, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy my own painting set and little canvas and, and try this. Took me another six months, but finally, <laughs> um, this past Christmas, there was a sale at an art store, so I bought a paint set, um, I bought a canvas, and one of these days, I'm actually going to sit down and paint. <laughs> but my point is this, you know, it might not be instant change overnight, but every day, we can make one decision that brings us closer to who we want to be. One, one step closer to something we want to achieve, right? And so every day, we have that opportunity to make a change. Every day, we have that freedom to do something new. So whether it's an exercise regimen, a diet, a Bible reading plan, the key is to take it one day at a time and to each day make one decision that brings you closer to that. And listen to that still small voice each day that nudges you right, towards that direction. That still small voice that says, hey, do it today. Right? There's a verse in the Bible that says, don't put it off. Don't delay it today while you hear the voice. Today, while it is still today, right? make the most of that gift. I want to challenge you in 2018 to do one thing each day that fills your mind with thoughts of Jesus doesn't have to be super long. It could be five minutes, right? It could be, um, I don't know if you were here in time, there was a, uh, a short five-minute clip about what does, what does the gospel mean? And it, it's from the Bible Project. Um, so if you go to thebibleproject.com, they've got all these little short clips that introduce you to a theme in the Bible or a book of the Bible. Five minutes, right? Or maybe you can read just a few verses or one page from a book, um, 
We've got our wonderful church library in the back that you can borrow a book from. And you don't have to read the whole book overnight. Just read a little bit before you go to bed each night. And eventually, you know, you will finish it. There's a verse that says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You see, it's, it, Christianity and the Christian wealth doesn't have to be complicated. It could be as simple as singing a song and thinking about Jesus, filling your mind with God's word, and so that you can give thanks, so that everything you do, whether you're working, whether you're eating, whether you're being with people, that you're doing it in the name of God, giving thanks to God. And in the name of God means you're doing it in the spirit of Jesus, right? With the heart of Jesus, with the mind of Jesus, being able to love others and see the world as he does. That's what it means when we talk about, you know, our banner here. Our, our vision here for our church is to explore a Christ-centered worldview. Because each of us sees the world with our own lens, right? Because of our upbringing, because of our education, because of our, um, you know, inclinations. But the challenge is look at the world through Christ-centered eyes. To see the world as Christ sees it. To see people as Jesus sees them, right? To see ourselves as Jesus sees us. And in order for us to have that Christ-centered worldview, we must engage with how Jesus actually thinks and get to know him better. So each and every day, just choose one thing that fills your mind with thoughts of Jesus. But in addition to that, there's another verse that says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. There's so much beauty and truth and excellence around us. You know, in addition to the Bible, in addition to the books, in addition to all those things, there's just so much around us. I mean, nowadays there's all these podcasts, right, that talk about all kinds of things. Um, there's, we have access to everything in our fingertips because of the internet, right? Just choose one thing each day that gives you joy, that gives you a sense of wonder. Um, yesterday, I was working on my sermon and got distracted by a thing that popped up on my Facebook. And then I was looking at Facebook and you know how Facebook randomly like put stuff? Anyway, there was this video um, that was showing how you actually, who you are has changed. Okay, let me, let me try to explain this. The cells in your body are always changing, right? We always regenerating. Cells die, cells are born. And so the video was just showing how your whole body is actually not your, who you were born with by the time you die, if that makes sense. Um, because your brain cells change, your, you know, for example, it was saying that your bones, in about 10 years, your bones are completely new. Like all the, all the cells have changed. Um, I think your skin cells, it was something like, two to three weeks, um, you know, so it was kind of going through all the different parts of your body that completely change over time. And you have this new body, you don't realize it, but every day you have new cells. Um, so I was like, wow, that's amazing. You know, so I was just watching that just a few minutes, but it, it, it's, it's watching something and reading something and doing something that is excellent, that is 
uh, wonderful. That is true. That is beautiful. That gives you that sense of joy and wonder and, and, and reminds you what an amazing life we truly have and what an amazing world God has created. So thank God for those daily beginnings and do something new each day that fills your mind with Christ, that brings your sense of wonder and joy, and that reminds you that life is a gift. God also makes all things new spiritually and morally by giving us a new heart and a new spirit. And every day I make selfish choices. Every day I sin against God, myself, and others. And imagine if there was never an end. You know, we have um, in, in our neighborhood these tiny little rubbish bins. They give us like a big recycling bin and a tiny, tiny rubbish bin. Um, and then actually I can't complain too much because I saw Galen's. <laughs> Galen's uh, rubbish bin is like, I don't know, like this small and then his recycling bin is like this big. And I like the fact that we are promoting recycling. I like that very much. But as a, as, a, as a person who has a lot of rubbish in their home, I'm sad to say, but, you know, I've got nappies, you know, for Joshua, and I just, lots of things. And I just find our rubbish bin way too small. And so every week I'm trying to think of creative ways to like cram as much as I can in there before the truck comes through. And um, this past week, um, our neighbor was out of town. And so we're like, yes, we can use their rubbish and recycling bins. And um, so we had, you know, an extra set that we could empty everything. And it's so cathartic to get all the rubbish out of the house. You're laughing at me, but just you wait till you have children, okay? And um, it's, it's so, it just feels amazing because when we have extra that we can't cram into the bins, we put them in the garage and they just kind of sit there waiting for the next week, right? Imagine if the trucks never came. You know how it was... Um, what day was it? Christmas, I think, was Wednesday. Whatever day it was, it was the day that our bins were supposed to go out. And so they didn't come for until like two days later or whenever it was. And just kind of sitting there and the pile is growing. Imagine if all the garbage in our lives, right? All the guilt, all the, all the consequences, all the sinfulness just sat within our minds and hearts and souls our whole lives. Right? The stink and, and the stuff that we have to baggage, that we have to wrestle with. And so God doesn't want us to live like that, like our house is, right? He wants us to be able to get rid of those things. And so he says, hey, I'm going to forgive you your sins and wipe it clean. You have a fresh start. The moment you ask for forgiveness, it's gone. It's gone. There's a verse here in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that says, Let me get to it. If, there, if therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. And, and I love how he says we are a new creation. Not just that we are kind of wiped clean, you know. It's not just a car wash, but it's a brand new car. There's a big difference between the two. Do you believe that when Jesus says that your sins are forgiven you, that you are a new creation? You know, when we ask for forgiveness, Jesus doesn't roll his eyes and say, Ah, oh, again? okay, I'll forgive you again, you know, wipe, 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 you know. He doesn't treat us the way that a lot of other people treat us. When he forgives us, he actually takes all of it away. You know, have you ever seen, I know we don't have these that much anymore, but do you remember chalkboards? Do you remember how, you know, you write whatever and you wipe it, and it's not clean, right? You can still, it's still dirty, it's smudgy, right? 
And then one day you come in and the chalkboard looks like that, you know, they finally washed it or maybe they got a new one. There's a massive difference. And a lot of times we live our lives as if Jesus has forgiven us like this. And we still walk around with all the guilt and the baggage and, you know, shame. But Jesus says, you are a new creation, a new creation. So we, want to, we have to live and believe, take that in faith, that we are a new creation. So we don't have to be ashamed anymore. We don't have to live in guilt anymore. We can live in God's presence, knowing that he has wiped it all away. No other person in the world forgives you the way God forgives. Because he doesn't hold anything against you. He says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. When God loves, he loves absolutely. And when he forgives, he forgives completely. But not just that. When he says you are a new creation, not only are your sins forgiven, but you are actually transformed. And you can now do things you were never able to do before. It's like losing an old Nokia phone, okay? A dumb phone. And all of a sudden being given an iPhone 10, right? It's a complete different thing. They're both phones, but it's a complete transformation, right? So in the same way, when God transforms us, we go from, for, for who we used to be, forgiven, and then we go to becoming a complete new creation that is able to love the way God loves, to be able to see the world as God sees it. Because of this promise that God made, he said, I will give them one heart. I will put a new spirit within them and take the stony heart out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. Notice how God's saying, I'm going to give you that heart. I'm going to make you a new creation so that you can follow me and obey me and love others, etc., etc." So, so many times we try to do the right thing on our, by, our, by ourselves, right? But an old Nokia phone just cannot FaceTime, right? Just cannot. And so we really have to go to God and say, God, make me a new creation. Give me a new heart. Give me a new spirit so that I can love others, so that I can uh, follow you, so that I get excited about spiritual things. One heart um, in the original Hebrew, actually means undivided or whole. So he says, I'm going to give you an undivided heart. I'm going to give you a whole heart. Because so many times our hearts are broken. Our hearts are scarred, right? Our hearts are divided and distracted by so many things and desires pulling us in every direction. And God says, I'm going to give you an undivided, devoted, whole, beating heart. A heart that feels things, right? A heart that has compassion, a heart that has wonder and joy, a heart that sings and worships. He says, I can give you that heart. And I will give you that heart when you turn to me and ask for it. You know, so many times, not just do we kind of live day after day in this monotony, but even spiritually, right? It's so easy to fall into that rut where you, you know, kind of do the thing, maybe come to church, but you don't really pray. You don't really feel anything. And even when you do open your Bible, you don't really get anything out of it. 
And I think a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times it's because we have not asked God first to give us that heart transplant to say, and this is why I think prayer is so important before you read your Bible to say, God, my mind is all over the place, right? And that's always true for me. You know, my mind is on four different places. Focus my mind on what I'm about to read now. Give me an undivided heart. Put a new spirit in me, not, not a spirit of criticism, not a spirit of depression or anxiety or stress, but give me a new spirit, a spirit that is curious, spirit, a spirit that is uh, eager to see what you have to share with me. Right? And then as, as you pray that and then you open your word, believe, even if you don't feel it, believe that you are now a new creation. Let me illustrate what this is like by telling you a story about Cory Ten Boom. Cory Ten Boom was a Holocaust survivor who um, was arrested, she and her sister Betsy, for concealing Jews in their home in, in Netherlands, um, in, in Holland, um, during the Nazi op occupation. So because they hid um, the Jews, their neighbors, and etc., they were caught, and then they were sent to the Ravensbrück concentration camp where her sister died. She survived. Her whole family passed away. She survived. And um, afterwards, she traveled um, all over Europe, but especially back to Germany to preach the message of God's forgiveness. And she tells a story of what happened one particular day in 1947 while she was in Munich. And the story is so powerful that I want to actually read it to you in her own words. So bear with me. So she's preaching the sermon. When we confess our sins, I said, God casts them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. The solemn faces stared back at me, not quite daring to believe. People stood up in silence, in silence collected the wraps, in silence left the room. And that's when I saw him, working his way forward against the others. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat. The next, the blue uniform and a visored cap with its skull and crossbones. It came back with a rush. The huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Betsy, how thin you were. Now he was in front of me, hand thrust out. A fine message, Fräulein. How good it is to know that, as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take that hand. He would not remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner among those thousands of women? But I remembered him and the leather crop swinging from his belt. I was face to face with one of my captors and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard there. No, he did not remember me. But since that time, he went on, I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there. But I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Fräulein, again, the hand came out. Will you forgive me? And I stood there. I, whose sins had again and again to be forgiven and could not forgive. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there hand held out, but to me it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing that I have ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition that we forgive those who have injured us. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, 
neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. I knew it not only as a commandment of God, but as a daily experience. Since the end of the war, I had had a home in Holland for victims of Nazi brutality. Those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives, no matter what their physical scars. But those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids. It was as simple and as horrible as that. And still, and still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Help, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced on my arm, sprang into our joined hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried, with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. Do you want a new heart and a new spirit? It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter how dead you feel inside to spiritual things. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It doesn't matter if you haven't talked to him in ages. None of that matters. All that matters is to say, help. You supply the feeling. You make me a new creation. I'll do what I can. I'll open the word of God. I'll do what I can. I'll go to church. I'll do what I can. I'll talk to you, right? As we do what we can, those simple things, God does what seems impossible, the supernatural things of changing our hearts, giving us new feelings, giving us new thoughts, giving us new desires, giving us new opportunities to grow, to be more like Jesus. As you act, like a new creation in faith, you become a new creation. More and more like Jesus until he comes again. You know, public speaking didn't always come naturally for me. I was an incredibly shy girl. Um, in fact, when I was in third grade, I think it was, like in America, I don't know about here, but one of the subjects is oral speaking. You have to read out loud. You have to go in front of the class, do presentations. And, and I had, you know, straight A's or high marks um, for everything except for that one area. Because the moment the teacher would call on me or the moment that I thought she might call me, I would blush red from head to toe. I would start sweating. I was an incredibly shy girl. And so you can imagine that when I felt called to, to ministry, that it was terrifying to have to go up and preach. Um, but I remember the first time I had to do it as I sat like trembling in my seat, you know, and it was finally time to go up and I went up. I just prayed, God, just help me get up there. <laughs> God, just help me to open my mouth. You do the rest. And it's, it's incredible because that first time in 2005, when I went up to that, that pulpit in New York city, um, in the Upper East Side of Manhattan. And I stood up at that church and 
you know, my legs were shaking. But as soon as I started to speak, I felt incredibly at peace. I, I felt comfortable. I started to share. You know, I had, I had things prepared, but I didn't need to look at the notes. I was able to just talk from the heart from what God was sharing with me. Sometimes you just have to fake it till you make it. Sometimes you just have to go through the motions, but not just do it like, oh, I have to do this, but ask God, hey, God, I'm going to do what I can. You do the rest. And you go through the motions and believe that God will supply the feeling. God will take those dry bones in the desert and bring life and resurrect you spiritually, resurrect you emotionally, resurrect you mentally and, and physically even to bring you to that place where you are a new creation and you are in the image of God. And you know, that is a process. But every day, like I said, each decision, each small step brings you closer to who God created you to be. Until the day when he truly makes all things new. As Ben shared in the children's story, Jesus says, well, this is John seeing a vision. He says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first, first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and will be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, write, for these words are true and faithful. You see, there is a day coming when Cory Ten Boom will see Betsy again. They will have new bodies that will no longer be tortured by the cruel atrocities of people around them. There's going to be a day coming when all of us who might be suffering or sick or going through circumstances that only you and God know there's a day coming when all of that will be passed away. All of that will be former things. There's going to be a new heaven, a new earth, a new home, a new body. Because God can make all things new. So until that day when Jesus makes everything new. As we live each day, let's remember the daily beginnings. Let's remember the daily blessings, the daily opportunities that present to us the gift of time, the gift of health, the gift of life. And make that choice every day to fill your mind with Christ. Make that choice every day to do something that brings you joy and a sense of wonder. And ask God to give you a new heart and a new spirit so that as a new creation, until Jesus comes again, we can truly be the hands and feet of Jesus that we can love like he does and forgive like he does and experience the excitement of being new and being recreated new every day. So I pray that as we go into our discussion, um, that we'll be able to tease this idea out a bit further and explore what it means that God makes all things new.